Hello everyone, this is Irina Dimitrova, host of the new Game of Leadership online summit and of the platform growandlearn.org. Today I'm here with Saurabh Mishra, who is going to talk about decision-making under uncertainty and risks. Saurabh is the managing director and founder of Pharmantra.ca. It's a consulting company, especially focused on the pharma industry but he can tell you more about his services later. I'm very curious about our talk. I've known Saura for more than 10 years now. We did an MBA together in Barcelona and he's still based in lovely Barcelona where it's not sunny at the moment, but it will be one day, <laughs> much sooner than anywhere else. <laughs> I know you are jealous. <laughs> um, a bit, <laughs> mostly of the memories, but yeah, no. Barcelona is a great city. Good to see you Saura. Thank you. Thank you, Zorina. Thanks for having me. Um, so I think um, I'll give a quick introduction uh, and then we can we can start. Uh, so I started Farmantra in 2010 and mostly we focus on uh, strategic CFO services for biotech companies, uh, as well as we do early stage valuation as well. Uh, so in strategic CFO services, one of the critical elements that we use is the decision making with the CEOs, okay? Because we have to take many important decisions uh, with them. So that's why I thought maybe I could share this, you know, with the audience as well. And um, uh, that might be helpful for, for them in both professional and personal lives. Of course, we take right. decisions every day of our lives. So how do we make proper decisions? <laughs> what do you teach the executives? <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, it's, it's not kind of a teaching, but rather it's a, a kind of an ongoing process, you know, which I use. So um, let me start with you uh, with, you know, one or two questions, right? So that will help to kind of uh, build the case. Um, imagine, let's say, uh, if I understood right, you know, maybe I think three years ago, four years ago, you quit the company and then you, you know, have your own venture right now, right? Um, let's make two hypothetical scenarios, Okay. Let's say one hypothetical scenario is that um, you 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 you're, you 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 are right now very very successful. You know you are like one of the world's one of the most famous coach and so on, right? Um, you enjoy the work. You know you 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 have grown you know maybe five times six times in terms of uh, number of people, revenues, and so on and so forth, right? Um, at this point of time. If that is the case, what do you think was your decision to leave the company and starting your own venture? Okay, um, what do you think would be your answer? Was it a good decision? Or was it a bad decision? Sure, a great it's decision. A good decision. A great mm. decision, right? <laughs> now let's consider a hypothetical negative scenario. Okay, mm. and in that uh, negative scenario, let's consider right now that. Um, it didn't work well, you know, you struggled a lot, uh, you know, things are not going pretty well, you know, um, both, you know, financially in terms of popularity, in terms of, you know, competition and so on. So now how would you consider your decision? Uh, would you consider that you still made a good decision or, you know, was it a, not a correct decision? You should have evaluated better. I think the example is uh, is not so black and white for me, especially because yeah. I would have left the company probably anyhow. I would have just anyhow. gone to a different job if if the if it didn't work out well with my venture. So right. in my case, it would have been a good decision anyhow. <laughs> cool, perfect. So so what happens is that, but in general, if you see, mm -hmm. and the reason I ask this question is, in general, what happens is that when we take a decision, right? If it turns out good, we tell that, okay, you know, uh, mm -hmm. we made a great decision, right? And if it turns out bad, you know, then we say that, okay, no, it was not a great decision, actually. This is the process, is this process is called resulting, you know, because what you're doing is, or a psychologist call it, call it outcome bias, because they feel that, you know, based on your result, you know, you're making a kind of this one, uh, a decision that it was a bad decision. But actually it's not the case, why? Because when you make a decision, you have, there are two elements that is very important. One is um, whether you have perfect information or not. Of course, in terms of uncertainty, we do not have perfect information. We have imperfect information. And then another important point is the randomness or the luck you know, that you could have. I'll give you a simple example. 
last year i know some of the restaurant owners indian restaurant owners here in barcelona okay uh, one of them uh, kind of i would say is successful okay have you know couple of here and then in ibiza for example and they decided to have you know another style restaurant they planned it in 2019 and they were supposed to kind of get started in maybe april or may something like that okay in 2020 but as you know covid you know came and you can understand the restaurant business right mm-hmm. now if you look back if you ask them would you say that the decision that they made was wrong the answer is actually no right because uh, there is there is certain element which is not in our hands okay which is luck okay it could be good it could be bad okay mm-hmm. now i'll give you another example in summer i received the email that the school of my daughter will be opened okay now i was following some of the very top experts in us okay um who were you know who were the one of the few first persons to kind of warn about covid in january okay um and they were very worried about opening the schools they talked about you know they had certain links that you know it is spreading and blah 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 and all that stuff okay with that intense i was also a little bit worried uh, that okay my daughter goes you know she will get it and then we will get it and so on and so forth right the typical fear you have so i wrote an email to the concerned person you know to the school that look you know it's great you know i understand that you know you have to open the school because it's a matter of revenues and all that stuff but uh, i think you should take a look look at these links you know the you know, there has been a super spreading event in us and so on uh there is a chance that you know uh, if you open the schools you know whatever you know tragedies could happen whatever we have a social responsibility blah 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 today if i look back at what i wrote and you i even had a chat with a particular person in fact my decision about this was not correct the reason was not correct was at that point of time i had an imperfect information right that you know children would uh kind of super spread but if you see right now children's are not super spreading okay right so uh my decision was wrong so i was evaluating why i made that particular decision at that point of time so the one of the flaw in my reasoning was that i was looking at only one point of the view i was not looking at the other side what i mean by that is you know even experts are wrong okay so if i if i'm relying on just one expert for example for that link i should have also taken counterpoints to understand that was it really you know that super spreading you know of the children and so on right so you see there are two elements involved here so if you have to make a good decision right so you have to have uh, right information of course it can be imperfect but for that you have to talk with not just one rely on just one information or one source you have to rely the, on three or four yeah yeah because the sources uh, of information that you're looking for are also biased exactly exactly yeah exactly mm. exactly exactly that's the point so um so in order to improve this decision making right um i think um it is important to understand two elements of our human nature okay that is actually a barrier to a good decision making first is our ego okay and the second is the blind spot okay so i'll explain a little bit a uh, couple of minutes you know just how our brain works you know to understand the ego okay uh, before uh, we begin saurabh yeah. let let me just announce to all the participants that they can ask questions in the chat or if they want to ask a question live they can still uh, unmute themselves just that you know i am recording so you will be on the recording so unless you want to be on the recording type your questions in the chat yeah and feel free to have coffee as well you know mm-hmm. uh, that's a okay so i was talking about uh, you know how our brain works right so in our brain we have you know this emotional part the craving for desire fear of survival or fear of being attacked and so or fear of being loved and so on that resides in the primitive part of the brain called amygdala okay uh and on the on on the other hand side we have a conscious okay the logic you know reasoning you know part of the brain which resides in the prefrontal cortex 
okay now these two this conscious part it's not aware how our unconscious part works actually okay although it has been shown that with more practice and so on like meditation and all that you know you could have a link between the conscious and the unconscious mind okay now this emotional part right which is in the amygdala okay it it likes praises right you know you you praise somebody they feel we feel happy actually okay because so so there is a constant fight between this lower you you can say which is emotional part and the higher you which is the conscious and logical part okay so think about it you you decided that you don't want to take sugar okay you have a very good diet for one month but then you are invited in a party and you see a hot chocolate cake okay um and finally you couldn't resist and you decide to have one spoon right um what's happening at this point of time is that your lower you the emotional part is has kind of overpowered your conscious or logical decision making actually right that's why you decided to you know forgo your whatever diet plan and then have this hot chocolate cake okay now think about what happens when somebody disagrees with you in the meeting so as our brain is you know that's how it is wired so when somebody disagrees with you in the meeting or something then the emotional part consider it as an attack and that is why we either get angry we either get defensive unless and until you have the attitude of keeping the very open mind i'll give you one example i was talking with one of my cousin who might be 15 20 years older to me he's a doctor and i was talking about there is a very interesting book called the salt fix okay i'm forgetting the author but he talks about the myth that having more salt will increase the blood pressure so he has in in his whole book he has talked about how in the initial 1904 just based on six experts you know this things started moving uh, you know there was a lobby of sugar there was a lobby of salt you know i think the lobby of sugar won and you know what is right now you know many people are obese you know because of eating a lot of sugar okay so while i was talking with him um he said no 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 um, anything you know any food we eat has sugar and salt so you, wh- whatever you eat extra you know salt it is going to harm you i said no no there is a new you know book in you know but he was not ready to listen to me okay um because there are several aspects you know one is as you can understand experience brings ego because you think that you know i know more than you okay <laughs> second is the cultural environment you are in that also brings a lot of ego so for example in my culture india we have we have a hierarchical culture, culture okay because and we respect a lot of people who are elder to us for example so that also brings a kind of ego okay that uh, as i am you know elder to you then i know more than you okay um but what happens is that in in this particular process or even power brings ego you, know, you will see powerful people or, or success brings ego right mm-hmm. once you become successful you know you stop responding to your friends email whatever you know it's a very normal human phenomena you will you will see That's right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so um but what's happening in this particular process is that you know you are not able to make a good decision because uh, you are not ready to listen to a contrarian point which could be right so the way dis- the discussion i could have uh, witnessed was that okay oh which book you are talking about you know okay let me read it and see you know was it based on any clinical study or something you know what are the arguments in favor of having a salt for example you know i expected that but that was not the case and it's very normal you know uh, that you see even in your meetings when you have with your professional people you will see that um, it's very difficult for people to listen to your arguments you know because what happens is you know um, it's it's a sur- surprising thing you know, because we are considered as humans are rational uh, but actually 90% or 80% of the time we are irrational because what 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 we do is that we already come out with our belief first so i really to make a good decision we should first do a lot of research okay and you know do a due diligence and then we should have our belief about something but it's the other way around we come out with a belief first and then we try to explain that belief you know with our reasoning 
Yeah, that was explained. Actually, I remember in a TED talk, I can't remember by whom, but they actually said 90, something like even 99% or something really huge of all the decision making is done on an emotional level first, and then you rationalize it by finding a, a yeah. proof to what you have already decided. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, um, and I have been, I think I might have mentioned to you, I was very fascinated with Ray Dalio, who started Bridgewater with the whole argument of radical transparency, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that is his whole idea, which I also inculcate at Farmantra, you know, where I'm always eager to listen to somebody who might be, let's say, even 15 years, 20 years younger to me, okay? Uh, because it helps me to understand how do I know I'm right, okay? Because I... You know, you know the, the important thing is that you know, on a sheet of paper, if you want to put down how much you know about the world versus how much you do not know, how much you know will be, a, will be a kind of dot and how much you do not know could be a hole, you know, if you kind of hole like, like a circle or let's say a big, you know, something shape, right? Uh, I think, you know, if you kind of put it, you know, on a scale basis, right? So having the humility to at least start with that, that yes, I do not know everything is the first step for a good decision making, okay? Um, and that comes with one ego, one barrier, which is ego, okay? Um, another is the blind spot, you know, which is, I could also explain it as an inside view and outside view. So let me explain. Um, one of the time, you know, uh, one of our project was to uh, work on a financial planning, okay? of a very young company, okay? Um, and uh, I was very fascinated, you know, and I'm myself, you know, as a finance person, I'm more fascinated what was, instead of accounting balance sheet, I should put a finance balance sheet, okay? So what I did was that, you know, in the accounting balance sheet, you have assets, liabilities, and in the financial balance sheet, you know, I put assets as, okay, value you get from existing assets and value that is going to get from the growth assets. Okay. That was a kind of concept, you know. What happened was that my client got completely confused. And he even sent me a note saying that, you know, I'm really worried if I have really, you know, taken a right decision to hire you, you know. <laughs> so, but I got the point, you know, the point was that I was able to understand everything because I'm always looking from my point of view, okay? But a person who is not from finance background, okay? Who is from the science background, he's looking from his point of view, okay? So that's an outside view. And I'm talking about my view, which is an inside view, and which is a blind spot. So I, I understood the problem. I said, don't worry about that, okay? And then finally, I have learned, you know, that lesson that, you know, you have to look from the eyes of your client or the other side person, okay? And, and then I completely changed it. And the result was that that was one of the best financial planning that we, can, we did it for one of the clients. It was a huge learning for us, right? So if you see uh, the decision-making process in the normal times today, when the world is very polarized, okay? Um, try talking with somebody, especially politics. It is so polarized that the other side, I'm, I'm actually, I want to find a person whom I can sit down and say that, look, in my country, okay, I understand that, you know, there is a problem, this is X, Y, Z. Um, what is your counterpoint of view? But it doesn't happen like this, okay? The other side comes with already their own belief, okay, with set beliefs, and, you know, they are not able to listen to you. And that's why the world is getting more polarized and polarized, right? Okay, uh, in, in this point of view. So I think if we focus on these two aspects, I think, more than half of the decision-making process, you know, we are going to kind of, uh, you know, remove it, you know, the barriers of the good decision-making actually. Uh, this will at least increase the probability of making a good decision. There is nothing called a perfect decision-making because as we said, there is something also called randomness or luck, you know, in the future, which we do not have any control, right? But uh, at least it will allow us to increase the chance or probability of, you know, making a good decision. So Does how can sense? we, it makes yeah. absolute sense. And I absolutely agree that, uh, that the world is very polarized and I can see this, that it's almost impossible to talk to anybody on the topic of the day because they're so ingrained in what they believe in that it's just impossible to pierce and think and even have a conversation about the other point of view. 
All right. So how do we think in uh, in terms of probabilities and how do we estimate yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the was... likelihood of a probability uh, turning up true? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I have actually a, a question. Yeah. Yes, yes, Ines. Um, I was asked for, uh, by my colleagues from CTBTO, the UN, mm -hmm. to join this conversation and this presentation. Welcome. <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> we are with four. I thought it was a bigger group, but uh, everybody would be uh, joining in later, probably. Or watching <laughs> the replays. It depends, <laughs> yeah. uh, it depends what time it is, some people, for some people, okay. it's yeah. convenient. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I have talking about the blind spots. I have a question. You know, mm -hmm. we have in Austria at the moment this discussion going on or this back and forth discussion going on about opening up the gastronomy or the sector from restaurants and, and, and cafes, etc. in a situation which is actually, it's not a lockdown, a post-lockdown situation, but we, you know, the discussions in any case. And um, I've been also thinking, why is this such a difficult discussion between the people heading the sector managing the economy and also the politicians. And you said something, Mr. Mishra, about the blind spot. There is somewhere a blind spot which is not being looked at. How, yeah. how do you see this? Because I understand you are in Spain. Yes, yeah. And you will have a, probably the same situations. Yes. Could I have thoughts on this, please? Yes. Uh... <laughs> See, I think, you know, uh, one of the important uh, reasons of having this uh, huge difference of opinion, right, is that, you know, this social media and the internet, you know, has given us huge benefit. But it has also resulted in, you know, many wrong things like fake news, conspiracy theories, and so on, right? Uh, so, and you know, we all human beings are different, you know, are wired very differently. So we cannot think, you know, alike on, on each and every topic. Okay. So if, if I, if let's say majority of the people at least think that in order to make a, a, a good decision, uh, I should always rely on three or four or five, you know, experts, experts also cannot be right then the then the situation gets easier but that doesn't happen in the you know practical world you know so what happens is i'll give you a couple of examples and it, which is very very similar to there right so you have people who are let's say for example people like me who have kids we are so busy that we are not able to at least understand the problems of those people who are bachelors who might have maybe lost a job they do not have to do anything for example they seek out to go out and dine with and socialize with their friends, right? Um, more than maybe myself, because I'm already very busy with my kids and family, for example, okay? Uh, so, so they have their lobby where they argue that, you know, they should go out, you know, and have, you know, nobody should stop the freedom. There is nothing called uh, COVID, no more people die with, you know, flu than whatever and all those arguments, right? Even car accidents and so on. Um, there is, of course, uh, but a, a small amount of understanding of both parties, you know, uh, as I said, looking through their, their, through their eyes, eye lenses, will help the pro to solve the problem like this. So I can understand their problem that, yes, you know, they would like to go out and socialize because either you know they, they are it's a matter of depression if you are in lockdown and you're not able to meet people because we as a human socialize on the other hand side they should also understand the risk associated with it so i always explain uh, to people uh, who have uh, arguments who bring that okay look you know many people die of flu we are not cl closing down or or even one of the friends argued that you know uh, there is a huge poverty right now and poverty is a very big problem so we should focus on that rather than doing this 
I mentioned to one of my friends that look, if you are, if my flatmate is poor, that will not make me poor. Okay, but if my flatmate has COVID, I have a very high chance that you know I could get it because the risk is multiplicative. You know, okay. So this sort of discussion have to take place between the both parties in order to understand each other in order to solve this problem. Because otherwise, uh, and and then and another important point which I, I'd like to make is that we always try to seek perfection in anything. So think about politics. We always try to seek that you know you know they should come out with a foolproof solution that should work for everyone. It cannot happen. You know you know when you seek perfection and then you are you are always disappointed. So you have to see that any political party in any country you have to see whether there is a positive asymmetry or not. That means that you cannot expect you know that whatever the wishes you have. You know, all the your wishes will be carried out by the political parties, right? But at least you know uh, they have more positives than negatives. If you can bring these kind of arguments into the picture, okay, then you know I think the discussion will be you know. And and last point is that you know we common man actually you know cannot um, right now make any changes in the decisions made by the political parties. So there is also a frustration you know from that particular side, right? Right now, for example, in UK, there is a discussion about, um, you know, vaccine passport, you know, which I also do not consider to be, you know, right because if you try to force something on anyone, there will be a backlash. So uh, instead of that, you know, the argument should be more persuasive, right, rather than you know forcing, you know, because we as a human being, we. Uh, we could be cajoled, we could be persuaded to do something, you know, if you are, we, it, it could be, you know, because if you, we can use our emotional uh, part of the brain, you know, to kind of do that, right? So for example, the government can say that, look, you know, if you do not take vaccine, you know, your your grandmother would be in, in a danger, right? Or something like that, you know, but, uh, but if you try to put down this kind of argument, there will be more polarization. So I mean, to so say there is no, uh, foolproof answers to your question, but I think you know, in terms of blind spot, uh, I uh, when I of course I work in science area, I understand a lot of scientific aspect, but I also try to when I talk with people who are against vaccines or something, I also try to explain the rationale, you know, why vaccine you know came so fast, okay, because right now uh, it's a new technology and the whole world was focused, you know, only on COVID, although there were you know negative uh, effects of that as well, right. So I think, uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but you know, that is yeah. uh, a long answer, but you know, uh, that's how we could do it. Thank you. If I may add to this question, uh, there was a presentation uh, earlier this week by David Savoy. It was called Trust as an uh, Invariance of Leadership. And it had to do with the trust, uh, how trust is created. Um, and he gave a lot of examples um, of images created throughout uh, the history of humanity, starting from the time of Hitler's Germany. Um, then he gave a few examples of uh, tests when, when people actually completely forgot their humanity and, and pressed the electrocution button for other people. It was just a test. So based on the images and on the belief they were projected, uh, they moved away from, from their humanity, basically, and they said, okay, this person needs to be executed. And something like 80% pressed the button. It was a test. And it was not the only one done. But you can hear more about the experiment in the video okay. if you watched it. So the question is, in the end, what kind of images are being created in the world? By whom? And so this is how we, believe, uh, how we can understand what the two groups trust in and believe in and this is how you can decode what is behind the images and what what people trust in because in exactly. the end it's about belief exactly exactly so um, you know uh, zorina when we are talking about how can we increase the probability of a good decision making okay mm -hmm. so I, I think you know a basic understanding of probability is very important okay you know it's, it's not nothing very complex math or something but let me give you a couple of examples okay um, 
I was, you know, I was having dinner with my client and there were other people as well. And I was surprised to hear that, you know, one of them, he was afraid to fly always because he was afraid that, you know, the flight might crash or something like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now here, a basic understanding of probability is important because the chances of a flight crash. Okay. It's like, you know, I don't know, one over something million times or thousands, you know, whatever the probability that, you know, the flight would crash. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now think about it. When 9 by 11 happened, okay, uh, long years ago, okay, in US, um, it was seen that most of the people preferred to drive by car rather than take the flight because mm-hmm. they were afraid of, you know, doing that, okay, by, by flying, okay, of flying. Although the fact is that, you know, the probability of a flight crash, okay, or even the terrorist attack, you know, is much lower. You know, the beauty about the flight crash is that once we have a flight crash, the chances of happening the another crash reduces because, you know, the safety is so, the safety is so tight, you know, strong, you know, uh, the, the, the operations that, you know, it makes is make it more, makes it more anti-fragile, I would say. Okay. So the more flight crashes we have, the more we learn from it, you know, and the less chances of having a, a crash. Okay. So now think about, let's say another example. If you smoke cigarette, okay, the chances of you being having a lung cancer is, I don't remember the exact number, but let's put it 30% or 40%, okay? Now, um, it's an absolute risk, okay? So what does it mean? It, it just means that, it doesn't mean that if you smoke, you will get it, okay? But the chances of having, you know, it is very high, okay? Uh, so if you have to make a decision, okay, between smoking a cigarette, you know, with all due respect of if all those who smoke, okay, uh, smoking a cigarette versus, uh, you know, f- taking a flight, you know, which one is more riskier, okay? Of course, smoking a cigarette is riskier, you know, because it has higher chances, you know, because it simply means that, you know, out of 100 people observed, you know, whatever, or a study done on 100 people, you know, 60 people who, all the people who smoke, 60 got cancers, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, um, so one is the understanding of the probability, okay? And one thing is that another school of thought who tries to use probability a lot to make decisions. You know, so I'll give you one simple example I have, which uh, I would like to read out uh, an excerpt from um, Barack Obama, okay? Now, I'm not Barack, Barack Obama, but, uh, and of course, uh, but you will see what he writes in his memoir about the decision-making, okay? He tells, my emphasis on process was born of necessity. What I was quickly discovering about the presidency was that no problem that landed on my desk, foreign or domestic, had a clean 100% solution, okay? If it had, someone else down the chain of command would have solved already. Instead, I was constantly dealing with probabilities. A 70% chance, say, that a decision to do nothing would end in disaster. A 55% chance that this approach versus that one might solve the problem. A 30% chance that whatever we choose wouldn't work at all, along with a 15% chance that it would make the problem worse. Okay? Now, I want to ask you, or all of you who are there, when you're making any decisions, do you kind of use these probabilities saying that, okay, there is a 40% chance that I will be successful, 30% chance that I won't be successful. I don't know, have you ever used it? I have never used it myself, okay? No, it's more like an internal judgment that you that you go through. It's uh, Yeah, it's, it's very subjective, yeah. right? You it's know, very I mean subjective. Say, so the point here is, now, let me give you an analogy to explain what I'm trying to explain here. When we go to take a flight, you know, our bags are checked and all that. Why do you think our bags are checked? Because there could be a chance that out of million people traveling, maybe one or two might be a terrorist, for example, right? But if you think about, you know, you know, we not all are all of us are terrorists, right? You know, maybe in a, a small percentage, if you see the probability, that will be very, very small percent, tiny percentage. But still the checking is being done. Why? Because of the 
you know, terrorist attacks that could happen, you know, although chance is very, very small. So it's not the probability that matters. It's the fragility that matters. It's the payoff that matters. You see what I'm saying? So if you have to make a decision, you can come out with any probabilities, that's fine, okay? But the payoff is what should drive your decision-making. So let me explain. If you are trying to, let's say, you are a company, you have 1 million in your bank, okay? You want to raise money, for example. You go out in the market and you say that, okay, look, for this, I have to raise 10 million, okay? Because this 10 million will allow me to do X, Y, and Z, okay? Now, the way I think, you know, and this is from another school of thought, is that I could say that after talking with investors that, yes, you know, there is a 70% chance that I could raise 10 million, 20% chance that I could raise 8 million, I could go by that route, okay? But I'd rather think, you know, what is the payoff if I'm not able to raise 10 million, okay? What is the impact that, you know, that would happen, you know, that, that uh, will it impact my uh, company in any way? Will, I, will we not be able to catch up with whatever the milestones that we decided to achieve, for example? So um, the consequence or the impact of the probability matters more than the probability itself when you want to make decisions in your day-to-day -day life. Now, as I said, Barack Obama is on another level. You know, he is using you know different probabilities to make that particular decision. But I think you know uh, that's another school of thought. I like the another school of thought which says that you know uh, understanding probability matters, of course, but in day-to-day -day decision making. Uh, instead of calculating how much probability it will be, I would rather see what is the payoff of that particular probability, okay? And that matters more, you know, uh, of that. So I think, you know, um, the concept of probability in that sense is very important in making a decision. I don't know if I explained it well and it's understood, right? You explained it very well, yes. Uh, if I may just add maybe for clarification. So if I want to raise money, the it doesn't matter what the probability is if I want to raise money for a startup. If I manage to raise money, great, you know, great outcome. If I don't manage to raise money, what am I losing in the process? Am I losing my time? Am I uh, foregoing uh, revenue that I would have gained otherwise if I didn't spend my time raising money and so on? This is what you mean, correct? Yeah, actually, yeah. So the consequence matters more, you know. So let's think about the lockdown. Okay. Initially, the lockdown was being done because if it was not done, the whole uh, healthcare system would have collapsed, you know, because there would be so many people, you know, coming. So the whole idea of lockdown was not to stop the virus. Okay. Virus couldn't be stopped with, with the lockdown, but initially it was to control so that doctors get some time to prepare, you know, for this eventuality and so on. Okay. So now, if you talk about any decision making, you know, you, you know, any critical decision, whether it is you, you want to look for a new job, you want to join a new university, you want to join this one. I don't think, you know, practically you can think that, okay, if I join in this new university, there is a 40% chance I could go into investment bank, 30% chance I could get into consulting. You know, I, I don't think, you know, it, it, it could work that way, right? But I think it could work definitely this way that, okay, uh, if I invest this much amount of money in this B school or something, what happens, you know, if I, if I, let's say, what is my negative payoff and what is my positive payoff? Okay, uh, will it help me if if I if I fail? What is my impact you know, on my investment? Where I I'd be in terms of changing my career and all that? So I'm going to see the impact of that particular probability. Let's say that there is a school which is specialized in consulting, for example. There is a 80% of the students are hired by consulting companies, for example, okay? And you are very much interested in consulting. That's why you decided to apply for that, okay? So if I have to uh, make a particular decision, I wouldn't make a decision based on that, just the probability. I would just try to make based on the payoff, okay? Um, so, I, you know, this understanding of that particular probability increases. I'll give you a simple another example. Let's say you're an investor, right? You decided that... Uh, and and there is there is an you know it's a correct story also uh, which uh, Nasim Taleb if you know the other you know talks about it you know Absolutely. he was he, he was a trader okay he said uh, that he was having a discussion about with you know somebody about some investment in one particular stock or something I don't remember 
and uh, everyone was in a unison that there is a 70% chance you know that the stock will go up okay but he had sorted the stock okay then everybody was like but you said that there is a 70% chance that the stock will go up but he said that yes your stock price if, if it goes goes from 41 to 42 right 41 euros to 42 versus if you think that this stock can grow from 41 to 2 euros for example you see the impact of that 30% right so so this is this is what i i was talking about you know the impact you know of or the consequence or the payoff okay so here the probability you know uh, it doesn't matter so your probability is that okay yes there is a 70% chance the stock will go up but if it goes up by just 1 euro you know it doesn't have that much of impact then the 30% chance you think that the stock will go from 41 to this one because of because there is some you know internal mismanagement or whatever it is right you know or the, you know, some project fails or is going to fail you know you think about that right so this is that's the explanation you know about that the payoff matters more you know than probability in day to day you know decision making and of this course it also me, comes yeah excuse me this uh, yeah. leads me very nicely into the next question which has to do with the uh, uh, with consecutive decision making uh because let's say the stock if we take this example uh was uh, to move indeed down by i don't know a huge amount mm. yeah uh what would be the next move after a certain period of time would it shoot up right up or would it again go down and for how long are you going to hold this stock and this is just an example um uh, to say that decision making in the end uh is not a one time event as as i see it but very often you would have to then consider it like a chess game what is my next move what is the and it branches out so when you when you think of decision making and probabilities do you branch them out or do you suggest because then it becomes a bit too complex see uh, decision and risk cannot be separated they are together because whenever you make any decision right there is a risk attached to that right. so mm-hmm. talking to that talking to your problem if i think that let's say imagine i had not sorted the stock which you know the other guy had sorted okay i thought so many percent is going to go up so i would that i have to evaluate here that the risk of ruin okay so you know if if i am ruined because if i made an estimate that you know 70% the chance that stock will go up but but you know the stock moves to 2 for example so i will have to either either the company let's say goes bankrupt or something comes out you know and then i'm already you know ruined and if all, all my portfolio is in that particular company for just making an hypothetical example or so in any decision making we have to understand that risk you know the risk of ruin how impactful that risk of ruin is and whether you would be able to reverse that decision or not so i i like the decision making you know uh, i think in the amazon shareholder letter jeff bezos talks about uh, irreversible and reversible decision making okay so he talks about that in many of our decision making there are many decisions which we can reverse but there are many decisions which we cannot reverse so those decisions which we cannot reverse we should spend more amount of time in analyzing understanding getting different view points on that and those decisions we can reverse okay we we, we can be faster right so uh, it's so it makes so intuitive sense right so uh, for example you, you you when i started farmantra i was thinking that okay what if, if if i fail i'll go back and look for a job that's a reversible decision right um, but a irreversible decision would be that okay i'm in the life sciences for let's say 20 years and after 20 years you know i okay it's like a midlife crisis and i want to need a change and work in a blockchain or whatever it is it might be very very tough right you know so that decision would be irreversible so i'll have to really uh, think about that should i get into life sciences domain or not right because changing that particular whole domain you know if you work for 20 years 25 years it's not that easy you know to get into a different domain actually okay exceptions of course right so i think you know i i like you know these kind of mental models you know to help you uh, to make a better decision okay um another mental model which i like it very very much is subtractive knowledge okay i'll explain what it is and it has helped me a lot to you know you think i always believe that you know if you think if everybody thinks the same 
you don't have an advantage in decision making okay so you have to think very differently you know on that and in that you know this subtractive knowledge or via negativa it's called it helps a lot so what it is you know we know more about what is wrong than what is right you know so let me explain i can we can discuss you know let's say you know uh, uh, many ways that how can we be successful let's say how can farmantra be successful or how can grow and learn be very successful right you can jot down 10 or 20 paths that we could take in order to make it successful but we do not know which one will will be successful right any of them could be successful but we are not very sure about all those 10 paths okay but we will be more confident about how we could fail so how can farmantra fail we could fail if i if i'm very rude with my clients with my word of mouth you know the clients will you know talk to other clients and then you know or my work is below average okay i could fail if um uh, let's say i think that the projects will come out of thin air and i i don't you know work i just sit down so if i know these points what i will do is i will not do these points in order to be successful so let us let's put it let's put it this way you can grow rich by not overspending you see you know living beyond your means right and this is one of the you know factors also chess players do not win by plotting strategies how to win rather they win by plotting how they should not lose actually okay so this I'm is a very i'm not quite sure though i'm not quite sure you can become rich by not spending <laughs> it's always the the upside uh, risk taking that brings people money no okay that's a that's that's different discussion what i'm saying is that if you live beyond your means right aha uh-huh, okay? right yeah you can use your money in different investment portfolio whatever that's different discussion that's not what i'm talking about you know mm-hmm. but what i'm trying to say here is that the negative knowledge or subtractive knowledge okay is more robust than positive knowledge okay it's not perfect you know but it is more robust to error than the positive let's say for example we know that luck plays a role you know in in luck and skill both plays a role in somebody's success okay now if some if somebody is very successful okay it is very difficult to say whether he is successful because he has skills okay or you know whether it was luck or something but you could definitely say with more confidence that a person who does not have skills will eventually fail in the future you see maybe he is successful right now because he got a lottery for example okay but he doesn't have any skills will eventually fail you know we you, you can't tell with more confidence mm-hmm. right so this is what i'm saying so uh, the, the, another this related concept is also called you know i think uh, inversion which is used by i think uh, charlie munger um, if you know warren warren buffett fame okay um, which he talks about that he he tells that in order to be successful in investing he talks about okay or in general life he, he talks about that i want to know where i am going to die if i know where i am going to die three four spots i won't go there you see so how can you use that in your decision making if anything let's say you you want to uh, whatever start a business or whatever it is right you have to see instead of okay positive thinking is nice you know it sells you know how to be a millionaire and all that stuff right okay but i think you learn more by you know failures than you learn only through successes because you cannot replicate other successes but you can learn a lot from the other but failure right so here you can put down that okay, what are the ways in which i could fail okay and if you know that you know these are the reasons you could fail your chances of survival increases right so uh i think you know th- these are very you know interesting um, you know mental models that you know y- you could anybody could use okay in the decision making process it's not easy because our human brain is not wired to think negative so i i'll give you an example i was i was 
talking with you know one of uh, the scientists you know and i and talking about the clinical trials okay and I, and i said that look can you tell me in what ways the clinical trial could fail and he was initially he couldn't understand my question i said that look we know that the success of clinical trial is like i don't know in phase 3 is like 3 or 4% right all other all fail in phase 3 so definitely even if you think about you know how this clinical trial will be successful it's not in our hands because human body is very complex how it reacts you know it, it, it's so complicated you know it's very difficult to tell but uh, if i'm able to understand that okay how what are the ways in which i can fail i won't take that particular route and he thought about it and then you know he talked about that yes you know that that's interesting so in in this patient population if i don't take you know this patient in our trial who have taken my competitor's medicine and blah 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 you know, uh, you know then then our chances of success is higher mm-hmm. right so what ha- what's happening is there uh, what what's happening here you are increasing you are increasing your chances of success in your decision making okay mm-hmm. this is what you know i'm talking about so uh you know so we we started with the resulting right we talked about that as a human being when things go wrong we think that oh we made a bad decision and i'm sure you know even you know your friends would say oh look you know there is always a hindsight bias as well in us you know which we say that okay look i told you you know that i asked you not to go to that particular path right and yeah, you didn't listen to me yeah this is that yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i I'll, i'll tell you a very interesting story uh 20 years ago 25 years ago when i was traveling uh and train in india um so thefts and all that happen very rampantly okay especially during night you know so this it was a night coach you know so you sleep whole night and then next morning you wake up okay so i had my suitcase uh there and i, I and i sleep very well okay <laughs> so i slept <laughs> and then you know all of a sudden at around 3 o'clock you know i was putting my hand and i saw that my suitcase is not there inside my suitcase You didn't, like, oh. you didn't sleep on it. You didn't sleep on it. No, no. <laughs> so, so, so finally, you know, I, I was like, oh my god, you know, my somebody has stolen this one, and the other, you know, who were sleeping also, everybody woke up, you know, and then you know, look at the reaction. You know what? I was thinking there was one guy who was roaming around, and you know, he was doing this. I thought that you know he must be the thief. Somebody was telling, yes, he was sitting there, and that's why you know I think he would be the guy. the point is that you know you always try to explain what has already happened you know it's mm-hmm. it's called hindsight bias right you right. always i mean to say if you really saw that person why didn't you tell you could have stopped you know the guy from you know <laughs> taking my bag right but mm-hmm. uh, we, we we human beings you know we have this resulting problem you know so how can we improve you know this resulting problem so we talked about uh two barriers right one of the barrier ego another we talked about blind spots you know and then understanding of the probability understanding of the payoff of the probability understanding uh, let's say yeah you have a question uh, i have a question yeah. was really yeah, yeah. good yeah, yeah sorry i have a question where do you leave intuition in decision making <laughs> no it's it's a it's a very good question actually um intuition or gut feeling that you talked about right now i'll tell you there is a uh two schools of thought here you might have uh, heard about daniel kahneman who got very famous about you know the biases and all that right he argues that you know we shouldn't make decisions on gut feeling okay on the other hand side you have another school of thought by uh, jerd kickeranger i don't know if i'm pronouncing his german name right um his school of thought is that and i kind of agree is that when you are talking about any decision with huge uncertainty which is let's say 3 years down the line or 4 years down the line there less is more is better than you know uh, let's say so there the your gut feeling your intuition matters more okay but of course you need to kind of cross check you know with other people as well to make a good decision right so think about it um you know let's say a professional uh, player for example football okay messi you know if if i'm a i'm an i'm a naive guy i i don't even watch football so if i have to start learning football you know the coach will tell me if messi is my coach he might tell me that you have to hit the ball at this angle and so on right so there my skills and all that stuff matters more but 
Messi will not use that, that that he has to hit the ball at this angle, you know, uh, to goal it, right? He he has this, you know, experience and this intuition and gut feeling that, you know, he will kick the ball, that ball will automatically go there, right? So experience does matter, okay? But what I, why, what I have learned from these two school of thought that we're going to both are big sorts, you know, and, you know, even the experts cannot be right always. So I, I always try to see that, yes, if I make a decision with my intuition, you know, for in the times of uncertainty, okay, what I should do, my learning is that I should uh, triangulate that view with three or four other people as well, you know, to understand. And what I call it, you know, in fact, um, it is called putting a believability weightage on that. So, for example, if I am an expert on, for example, um, um, for example, when I work in my project, and if I'm working on a, let's say, oncology project, okay, so I would rather talk with four or five oncologists than a generalist. Generalist. So, and if generalist is in my board, I would give him less weightage than oncologist. You know, who are, uh, will I'll give him more. So I think, you know, you can mix both, you know, of course, the emotional intuition works um, in times of uncertainty, but I think you also need to triangulate that view with, you know, other experts. Does that? Yes. A little bit yeah. Absolutely. So it depends very much on the decision, the type of decision one has to make also. Actually, see, for, for many of the decisions that you make, you have, if you have a lot of information, you know, uh, to make that decision, then you do not have to use that much of your intuition. But intuition matters more uh, in terms of huge uncertainty, okay, where you do not even know. I'll give you a simple example. We, what we do is that we try to value early stage assets, okay, of the biotech companies. Now, those assets are in like, let's say, um, preclinical stage, which, will, which is going to take, or maybe clinical stage, which is going to take five years to reach the market. Now, if I have to uh, talk about uh, what is the sales they can achieve and so on, right? Um, what I do is that I triangulate the view with some of the experts to understand what is the competitive advantage of this particular product in comparison to others, okay? And based on that, I make certain arguments and you know narratives. Now, other school of thought would be that, no, you have to talk with Salesforce people, uh, ex, you know, all, you know, how many hospitals you have to uh, go out to do that. That makes it more complex and more noise in the process because mm -hmm. what is going to happen five years down the line, you do not know, right? So um, less is more in terms of in uncertainty, okay? But, but if you have a lot of information, then of course that helps you to uh, make a better decision anyway. If I may add my opinion here as well, uh, I mean, I, I really enjoy very much the, the way you've broken it down with all the probabilities and everything. But I'm thinking that uh, the more uh, you want an outcome to happen, and this has a lot to do with intuition as well, because it has to do with the, uh, with this, I would even call it supernatural ability of a human to gather all their powers when they set their mind to something, then you become more creative, then you uh, make sure that the outcome that you desire actually happens. So the probability actually increases. So yes, you're measuring these probabilities. And, and for me, one of the most useful things that you mentioned, Saurabh, was the um, inversion technique, which is where not to step. So this for sure helps, even if you're setting your mind and you're, you're keeping an eye on the blind spots. But still, the question is, what do you want to achieve? Which outcome do you actually desire? Because then you're working towards achieving it exactly and, but the and probability the, increases yeah yeah and exactly the outcome and the payoff that i talked about risk of ruin i very mm -hmm. much like this line by even taleb okay he, he talks about he said in the trading world they had a very um, important decision making about the risk and the, and the rule was take as many risks as you want make sure you're in the office tomorrow <laughs> so that means you know the payoff is so important you know you can talk about this one probably all this, but the risk of ruin is very important and i think it, it, this matters also uh, in any of your professional that you take that you don't make any decision that ruins you you know at least you know that is very very important
Awesome. Any other questions I may have? I think, you know, we, we have right now kind of completed an hour. So I think it's good to kind of stop here because right. uh, we can keep, we can keep, you know, going on. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, thanks for having me. Thank you.